This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome back to the show. Time now to continue with our year in review series. Today, we look at Hollywood's tumultuous 2023. While actors and writers effectively brought the industry to a halt with an unprecedented financial, with with unprecedented uh, financial uh, consequences, the Barbenheimer phenomenon also brought hope and relief to theaters as well. Joining me now to discuss the year in entertainment is Rick Forchuk, who is a TV Week magazine columnist and a CKNW contributor. Rick, thanks for joining us today. Always a pleasure, Jazz. Uh, an interesting year in entertainment. Uh, lots of um, what I would describe as positive news uh, for the entertainment industry as we, um, you know, move towards a post-COVID environment. But at the same time, those structural challenges for the entertainment uh, industry in regards to viewing habits uh, uh, are still a challenge. Let's perhaps start with the box office first and foremost. How would you describe the box office this year uh, uh, in regards to its strength uh, and the challenges that it's that it, that it has? Yeah, well, it had both of those things, Jazz. It had. There were times this year when uh, the uh, bean counters in Hollywood felt that uh, it was going to be a really tough year because not enough people were coming into the theaters. And then there were other times, such as uh, Killers of the Flower Moon and uh, Barbie and Oppenheimer, when everybody was saying, they're back, they're back, the world has been saved. And um, I think the interesting thing about that is it's product-driven. So give us a good movie uh, that people talk about and that they want to see, and folks will go to the theaters and they'll put their money down. Uh, give us a bunch of stuff that is uh, not particularly good, but it keeps the theaters open, and that keeps some people away. So all in all, looking at the numbers right now, year to date, it's going to be uh, the best year at the box office since before COVID. So 2019 was the last full year pre-COVID, and this will beat 2019 by a little bit, by it looks like. And uh, that, that's a good thing for the business, good thing for movies, good thing for people who work in the movie business, Jazz. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you're saying it's going to be slightly better than 2019, but let's just say we take uh, this year's numbers once they're done, compare that to, let's say, 2013, a decade ago. Uh, those numbers probably would be significantly different. Uh, they're different, but they're smaller, believe it or not, and mm. they are smaller. But, um, but there, is, that more, is that because we're charging more for theaters as well, or is it just a case exactly of exactly right? Okay, exactly right. Uh, that, precisely, uh, it costs you more to go to the theater. Uh, it doesn't mean more people are going necessarily. It means people are spending more money. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you see the uh, films on the on the big screen, the AVX, for example, at Cineplex, there's a premium that you pay for that. So it's three or four dollars extra. Uh, they also push the D box seats for people who want a little bit more action, and you pay a premium for that. And something happened this past year, Jazz, that emulated what American theaters are doing. I didn't like it when they first started doing it in the U.S., because I spend a few months a year in the States, and uh, the movie experience there is similar to Canada. But when they started doing this thing, I thought, well, that's horrible. Thank goodness they do that in Canada. Well, they do in Canada now. And what it is is a service fee for booking your tickets online. So you go online, you buy your tickets, uh, you get your seats, you select your seats, 
and then you pay a 2 or $3 premium for having the opportunity to do that. And I think it ought to be the other way around. Since we're not taking up space in the theater lineup, since we're doing all of the work ourselves, you'd think at the very least the price would be the same, mm-hmm. but it would make sense for it to be a dollar or two less, not $2 or $3 more. So those are the kinds of things that have added up uh, and over time make a big difference to the bottom line for the movie theaters. Yeah, that's like uh, paying extra for self-serve gas. It doesn't make yes. uh, doesn't make much sense, uh, sense at all. Uh, since we are talking about the box office a little bit, uh, where are we in regards to superhero movies? There's been talk of... Uh, the fact that people are just tiring of the Marvel Universe. Others have said, look, you just need a bit of a break. Uh, are we seeing the beginning of the end of, of at least big Hollywood, the big studio's fascination with superhero movies and we go, moving towards perhaps a, a world with the different, more diverse stories? Or is this just a, a, a pause before they begin again? Yeah, that's a good question. And I, if I had the answer to that, I'd be making a lot of money. Um, the challenge is, you're right about jazz. Uh, the, uh, for example, the Marvel pictures, uh, the last ones um, with uh, Captain Marvel, for example, were very soft at the box office and not nearly as big as some of the previous Marvel films. And I think it is that it's superhero fatigue. And we'll see what happens this weekend uh, with uh, the new Aquaman movie. That's another big superhero movie. And uh, is it going to pack people in? I'm not sure, because, frankly, I'm tired of superhero movies personally. And um, you know, I talk with people, and they say, well, which, which Marvel movie was that? And you say, well, it's the one where Captain Marvel teams up with this other person. They say, well, I, I thought I saw that already. Uh, well, it was. It happened already. But we keep getting uh, sequels and prequels and the time jump uh, and uh, things that have changed. Uh, because um, somebody died, somebody didn't die, somebody changed the time stream, mm-hmm. and it really gets confusing. So I think you're quite right, Jazz, that it's it's an issue, it's a problem. We do have superhero fatigue, and thank goodness we have had some really exceptional films that are not sequels to anything. They're standalone movies, and they're good movies. Killers of the Flower Moon is one of those, and um, that that's a really, really fine, fine movie. Very well done. Uh, Oppenheimer is another. Uh, these things aren't attached to anything. Napoleon was yet another one. I didn't like Napoleon all that much, but it was a big movie with a lot of really interesting sidebars to it. So, yes, lots of good standalone ones that have done very, very well. And I don't want to ignore streaming, because there have been some movies on streaming that have been pretty darn good films. Uh, for example, one that you can still see, it's a Christmas-themed one, with Eddie Murphy called Candy Cane Lane, it's not a fabulous movie, but it's a really good family film. And if uh, anybody has a family that hasn't uh, checked this one out with the 12 Days of Christmas theme, it's really worthwhile. Candy Cane Lane on Netflix with Eddie Murphy. Uh, there are other films like that that have been streaming only that have done very, very well. And some that have been stinkers, Jazz. We are speaking to Rick Forchuk. We're talking about the year in Hollywood. We were talking a little bit about the box office. And part of the conversation, of course, was uh, uh, superhero fatigue. Uh, let's uh, move on to streaming just for a moment. You mentioned streaming just before the commercial break, Rick. Um, the streaming services themselves, uh, prices have gone up uh, for, for Netflix uh, in the new year. I already got a notice that Disney is going to be raising my rates as well. Uh, where are we in regards to the health of the streaming business? 
Yeah, that's an interesting question. And uh, I, I got the same notice for my Disney and for my Netflix in terms of the prices going up. And it's because largely uh, the method of counting how successful you are in the streaming business has changed. Initially, it was how many minutes of streaming are you doing? And Netflix would say, for example, uh, this big movie has streamed 2.3 billion minutes worldwide. Wow, that's great. That was the Hunger Ga- uh, the uh, um, Squid Game. Mm-hmm. That movie was sensational in terms of the number of people that watched it. But there was no correlation between the number of people who are streaming and how much money that you make. So what they've done, I think, if you step back and look at the business model, uh, Disney, uh, Amazon, uh, all of the streaming services, Netflix, have put their product out there. They've made it very, very reasonably priced. We get hooked on those services. We start to like their product. And now they say, okay, we've built this big base. We need to now start making some money, so we will have to jack up the prices, and that's what they do. Mm-hmm. And those that have good product will continue to make good money, and those that don't have good product will fall by the wayside. And uh, in the U.S. particularly, there have been some mergers and acquisitions of streaming services that have just kind of gone by the boards. We haven't seen much of that in Canada yet, but I do think that uh, the model is going to change. The other thing uh, is that um, both Netflix and Amazon is talking about it now, and other streaming services are offering an advertising-supported service. So you won't pay as much for it, but you'll have to watch commercials. Uh, Pluto TV is a good example of this right now. Uh, Pluto TV came right out of the gate as an ad-supported service, and I quite like Pluto. You can see almost anything on there, any old TV series of any sort, uh, all kinds of stuff from back to old Ed Sullivan shows and you name it. But uh, you get a lot of commercial minutes per hour, an awful lot of commercial minutes per hour. Mm-hmm. So it's an e- it's an evolving thing, Jazz. Uh, they're changing, evolving, and everybody's trying to make a buck. Yeah, as you and I speak, uh, there was conversation this week about uh, Paramount Plus um, potentially merging with uh, HBO Max, Warner Brothers. So, Warner yeah, Brothers, yeah. yeah. So uh, absolutely, there's, there's a lot uh, of conversation in and around that. Let's talk broadly just for a moment about television. Where is the television industry going? I mean, there's a lot of talk about cord cutting, uh, when even sports is now being impacted, uh, places like ESPN. There's talk of less channels uh, five years from now as the sort of ad-supported business. Our eyeballs are elsewhere now. We're look, viewing different things, uh, hearing different things, and the public seems to be everywhere. And many people have said what impacted, how newspapers were impacted, let's say, 10 or 15 years ago by the Internet. You're now going to see TV uh, impacted in a real uh, in a real way that we may actually see some networks shutting down or being reduced in size. How do you see it? Yeah, well, I think that's a good assessment. Uh, ESPN, as you mentioned, uh, for example, it's owned by Disney, and they have let laid off uh, hundreds of people recently. That's the case all around the block. And the regular television business is a business model that I think has seen its best days in the past. It's in the rearview mirror. Um, Now, we've had the actors and writers strike, so the impact on what we watch on television daily has really not been felt in terms of what's going to happen when our favorite shows start to come back. Um, Hopefully, we're not going to have all of the 90-minute reality shows like The Amazing Race and like Survivor and uh, like Big Brother. They'll go back to their regular formats. However, when we look at, say, 
the Chicago's, which are the most successful franchises pretty much on television, Chicago PD, Chicago Fire, Chicago MD, um, these things are really, really interesting shows, but because they've been impacted so negatively by the strike, both writers and actors, we don't know what we're going to get. So I think we will see uh, a challenge here. Uh, the big problem with network TV, with regular cable television, is unlike streaming, you can't really access it on demand unless you're choosing to stream. Uh, whereas uh, when you're looking at the streaming services, you can sit down any time, day or night, mm -hmm. and start whatever you want to start, uh, rather than having to wait till Wednesday night at 9 p.m. to see your favorite show, Jazz. Uh, you mentioned the, the writer's strike um, and actor's strike. Do you think they got what they wanted, or do you think we're going to see more strikes, potentially even as long as the one we just saw? It was a very lengthy strike. Uh, because there's so much turmoil in the uh, entertainment industry these days, from technology to viewing habits, uh, do you think the writers and actors were able to get what they wanted, or do you think this is, once again, a temporary lull before we go back at, it, at this again in, in, in a few years? No, I think they got what they wanted. Now, what will, what will make a difference is what technology does over the next two or three or four years, uh, between now and the time that, that next uh, opportunity is to renegotiate those contracts. And if technology continues to march on the way it has, there may be other issues that we don't even know about yet or haven't even thought about yet that negatively impact both actors and writers. So for the, for the moment, uh, there's peace on the horizon, and it looks good. And we'll have to wait to see how this all comes out, depending on what technology does. Um, I, I think the writers got what they needed, and I think the actors got what they needed, and I, they, they were all in solidarity together, and it was a long strike. It was a costly, costly strike for everybody, but I think there'll be some peace in the valley for a while. Well, Rick, thank you so much for your time. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you and your family. Uh, to you as well, Jazz. Thanks. Always a pleasure.